Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you late in the evening on Tuesday, July 26th, and we have just a short two-game series with Pittsburgh to look back at Brendan. I'm I'm not I don't love these two game series. I got to be honest with you. It's it's especially weird that it's with the Pirates, right? Yeah. Like when it was the it Orioles, is. I kind of get that. Um, I I don't love for as much, uh, especially in this series, and we'll talk about it. Even though they keep winning, uh, for as much you know emotional turmoil as this team can cause us at times, I do kind of like having them play every day. Oddly enough, which says probably a lot about me. Yeah, I mean, it says you're you know pretty crazy, but but we knew that. But I feel as if we had so many two game series. We said it last yeah. episode, but like this makes no sense to me. Yeah, so, I'm not whatever. I'm not big on it. I think part of uh, no part of the appeal of the baseball season being so long, if you do happen to like that, is that it's it's there for you every day, you know? Um, yeah. For better or for, for better, worse. I mean, lately right it's now been worse. probably yes. worse. Um, and all, you know, in addition to not being, you know, the, the emotional turmoil heading to the trade deadline and all that, and of course we will get to that, the real problem, Brendan, with this two-game series and the Cubs having to have off days is that this is the hottest team in baseball that we are talking about. (laughs) I know. Can you believe that? I mean, who would have thought? Right around the trade deadline, they're doing this. This is like quintessential Cubs right now, Corey. Yes. Uh, The Cubs have won six straight games. Look at that. It's, It's remarkable. It's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. They they look like a, a real baseball team lately. Now you know these games were against the Pirates, but whatever. They struggled with the very same Pirates earlier in the season, so it's nice to see that kind of being reversed. And you know it's it's nice to have as it was in that series in in Philadelphia that was on the road. This is back at Wrigley Field, and you know it it it's just nice to have the the W flag flying. Steve Goodman coming out of the speakers, vibes good at Wrigley Field. Well, the vibes were weird at Wrigley Field. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say, say good, good, but... Right. Yeah. It, it, All it, right. It's just an interesting point that we're at. Uh, Time to bring down the house. Time to get yes, sad. Yes. We might as well get Let's into just it. Do it. I, I just think it's the natural it. place to start. We will talk yeah. about uh, some of the good things that we saw in this series, just like we did with the series with the Phillies. We will talk about kind of what has gone into specifically this win streak that the Cubs are on and and some of the stuff that is important post-trade deadline and in the years to come here. Uh, but there really is no other place to start than uh, with 
what we saw at Wrigley Field, uh, especially on Tuesday and especially— Lots of tears. As it relates to Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. Um, I will will say this, Brendan. We all know— where this is heading. We all read the quotes from Wilson Contreras where he talks about, you know, you you saw what happened here last year at the trade deadline and eventually you have to know that it might come for you. That's something that that Wilson said. Mm. I, I think we've all seen this writing on the wall. No matter how much uh, any of us, and, and it's been different degrees, I think, for a lot of people, but, you know, whether you've been very loudly banging the drum to extend Wilson Contreras, uh, okay with trading, and wherever you, you fall, you kind of knew that this was coming, right? Yeah. The, the reports that they have not really even discussed an extension, the reports of them being connected to different teams and things like that, the writing has been on the wall for some time now. Um the 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 place that i would at least like to start is that i i have to give a major hat tip and this is usually true right to the crowd at Wrigley Field right this is horribly unfun this process that we're going on and that we're now doing for a second straight trade deadline where we know what's coming and we have to act appropriately right but I think to see the crowd at Wrigley Field recognize what was happening on Tuesday, standing ovations, loud standing ovations after the game, Wilson's still on the field, standing ovation then, you know, the left field bleachers cheering, tipping their cap, et cetera, to Ian Happ as he walked out of left field for perhaps the last time as a Cub. I, this doesn't always happen in other fan bases. No. In, ter- in terms of the situation at the trade deadline, things like that. But I, I really, truly believe it, Brendan. Like their their slogan for this year, that it's different here, I, it, it's, I genuinely believe it to be true. And I think it was on full display on Tuesday. It is a, it is a special fan base. It is a special place. And that type of relationship between the fans and the players, I, I really genuinely believe is unique to the Chicago Cubs. And it all just sort of adds to no matter how cool that was to see in a sort of morbid kind of way and how happy and, and, and sort of proud, I guess, it makes me to be a part of this fan base. It also is a stark reminder that we deserve better than this, Brendan. Of course we deserve better than this. The the reason, partially the reason that you see Hap and 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 Contreras so emotional is because they've had several experiences at Wrigley within highly competitive environments with a, a, a raucous fan base. And that is because Wrigley is unique. The embrace both those guys had at the end of the game, they, they knew this is more than likely their last game together as teammates, maybe even at this point, likely both their last games as a standalone, as a Cub at, at, at Wrigley. And to see in the very last game for Wilson get standing ovations in his first at-bat, you saw what that meant to him emotionally. He was crying after the first game. He was tearing up and, and wiping away tears in that second game. And the words he says, I mean, he more or less says that 
partially why he's so emotional is because of the experiences he's had at Wrigley. And Ian Happ also further went on to say that he does not want his time to end as a Cub and has always talked about how it actually is different at Wrigley and the experience he has is unique compared to other ballparks. And, you know, from my perspective, I've been to several other stadiums. Of course, I'm entirely biased here, but you can tangibly notice a difference when you go to Wrigley versus when you go to a different ballpark when the team is not good. And it's it's obvious. It's also also likely one of the factors that um, contributes to the Cubs' ability to get certain players. All, of course, the money and the infrastructure to promote development is going to come first and foremost, but to be able for these guys to play in front of a stadium and fans so often that's packed is significant, and Marcus Stroman talked about that when he was signed as a Cub. He was looking forward to having that energy when he goes out there, and he says that's unique. So it does make a difference. I was very proud to see the crowd uh, in his in his last game do that in his very first at-bat. I was hoping that would happen. There was never a doubt that would happen, given the experiences we've had over you know over two decades now um, watching the, the crowd react to these guys. Yeah, I I think that, you know, we look back at the trade deadline last year, and I think for the most part, uh, really, I think on all of them, I, I would be of the belief that Jed was successful in those deals. And really, other than Anthony, none of those guys are performing particularly well or have been dealing with injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And so I I might feel the same, you know, at this deadline. And I think you know, as is always the case, we could sit here and talk that, you know, the organization is worth what it's worth. They charge the prices they've charged. They should be able to just dish out contracts to homegrown players that love playing here. And if it doesn't work out, eat the money. You have the money, right? That's not how they're operating. So as is always the case, it... That's not how any team operates, it just, too. It, it doesn't make sense to sit here and do that. If it were up to Brendan and I, the organization would always spend to the level of money that they're worth and that they make and that they charge. And the payroll would be $500 million, and it would be amazing, right? It's It's not how it works, so that's just not how it works. So I think... You know, I I understand the position that they're in, the path that they've taken, the decisions that they've made, and what they need to do to kind of continue that and see that through, whether we all are happy about it or not. The thing that I think about a lot, though, and it really comes into, I think, better clarity on a day like Tuesday, is that sometimes, though, Brendan, it's it's not all about that. And it's not all about making the right decisions. For Jed, it is. For business people, it is, right? But for the fans, it's not. And I think that's something that is also ingrained in being a Cubs fan and and really a, a sports fan at large, right? That sometimes, we're, we're at, we're at the, the second straight trade deadline where the Cubs are having these, you know, big displays of farewells from the fan base to the players and uh, vice versa. So at some point, Brendan, right, there's more to all of this than the plan and being fiscally correct 
and making the right, you know, baseball decision based on dollars per wins above replacement and things like that. There's more to it for a lot of people. The connection to the players matters. It just does. And I guess what I'm saying is that I think deep down, given the budget restrictions that they shouldn't have, given the plan that Jed Hoyer has enacted in terms of building up the system and, and uh, you know, strengthening this pipeline, et cetera, et cetera, building for the next great Cubs team, I, I think the logic to make these moves is, is sound and is going to look sound in the future. But I, there's also like that irrational part of me. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, I do. It, that is, I it, do. this is this is very hard. This isn't why we watch sports, man. We don't watch sports to Wilson Contreras has been in this organization for over a decade. Yeah, over man. a I decade. Mean, I get it. Since he was a teenager. I, I I went down to go watch Wilson in the AFL just to go see Wilson before he was his household name. So I. I understand it. Like the partially why I enjoyed that last era so much, and as I've said many times on this podcast, is because you get to you get to watch their development mm-hmm. as they're drafted, as they're making their debuts, as they're playing in the AFL or with the big league squad in spring training. That's unique, and you see just how far they come. Seeing Javi Baez, for example, go from very low lows to developing and as a fan being in Arizona, kind of seeing that process up close was really rewarding, Corey. And that's why baseball is unique that that other sports don't have to offer. You do have this multi-year development where you get to know some of these players and their personalities. And I know Rich uh, Beisterfeld, who I've gotten to know, who takes such great pictures in Arizona, he, he knows a lot of these players on like a, a first name basis. They know him. He Of course, he knows them as well. And you kind of understand the, the troubles and what they're trying to go through to to fulfill their dream. So right. that that is unique. Um, it's hard because then, as you said, like the rational side of my brain, like this, this is the best path forward, unfortunately, given their their lack of projection for next year and some of the uncertainties with their positional group and their higher minor league guys not quite there yet like the best path forward is to trade Wilson Contreras the best path forward in my mind and we'll get into it is probably to trade Ian Happ right now and the best path forward last trade deadline was to trade some of those guys now the trade deadline last year was a little bit more jarring i truly genuinely did not believe rizzo would get traded and that that one hurt the most uh we've been prepping for this wilson trade now for over a year so it's a little bit different i feel like this this time around because i've had more time to prepare for it but it's it's like this is like cognitive dissonance as a prime example where you don't want to see these guys go and you've watched them for so many years but but you do understand like for for us to want to watch more Cubs games and be part of a winning culture, like it, it's likely the best path forward to, to trade these guys to get back to that point. Yeah, I, I you know, again, I, I think it it just gets to a point where, and you said this, I think last time that this just has to be the the last time we do this because, yeah. and I, and I think I speak for a lot of people. This is really tiring, man. You know. 
Like yeah. I look back at those trades and I we're we're keeping track of PCA every day. We're keeping track of Alexander Canario, who's one of the hottest hitters in minor league baseball. Chris Bryant is one of my favorite players of all time, ever. And I, I still check in on Alexander Canario every day, and I'm like, wow, this looks like Jed Hoyer did a good job here. But it's tiring, dude. We don't watch sports to develop these connections just to say goodbye because it maybe makes the most sense based on mistakes the organization has made or that ownership has made and and this is the best pass forward right it's it's it this just sucks dude you're watching wilson in the dugout with tears you're watching ian happ with tears their embrace in the dugout as two guys that have gone through a lot of this together and are now kind of in this awkward moment together it's just this is I yeah, get it. It's not why I we all it. watch sports and it's it's not it's not what we signed up for specifically with what the Cubs sold us, right? And I think that's the most frustrating part is that this was just not this was not in the bill of goods that we were sold, <laughs> right? That we were going to develop all of these guys no. and and get to a point where the, the only option according to the organization is that well, you know, if we can get a good return for them, we have to, right? Right. I mean, it's 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 not it's never a good situation where the best path forward is trading your three time All Star catcher right. um, at the peak of his career. But that you make fun of me for this, but that's why I put so much like of my fandom time looking at these like fringe players. Like you make fun of you know justifiably so, like guys like Daniel Norris or some of these other fringe pitchers or hitters over the years past, and kind of dialing in on on some of the like uh, career turnarounds of guys. It's because if those guys succeed, it also increases the chances that you get to keep these superstars. You get to keep these guys for longer than what we're seeing right now. So it's so important. And I think one reason why you and I talk about some of the infrastructure so much on this podcast is because they lacked that for the last decade. Um, and what happened was is it, it cost them uh, a lot of the legacies yeah. of these guys. It cost the, the fact that it's... it's it's not like an it's not like an intentional oversight. It it happened. They they unfortunately were wrong, but because they were not able to, you know, develop pitching for a decade and develop bats outside the first round for a decade, um, you know, it it costs them Rizzo perhaps for right. the majority of his career and I hope that doesn't happen again and I don't I don't see that happening in the near future. You look at some of these current guys in the system, you look at the the or, organizational wide FIP, ERA, you look at the organizational wide hitting, they're they're in the top tier for both those categories at this point, and you're seeing the actual changes made to the system, both at the scouting level and at the developmental uh, level, uh, interacting with the players. It seems like they're on the path forward, and I imagine that we'll have to, the, the likelihood of us going through this again in the future is is low at this point, but we can only hope. I, I would certainly hope so, man, you know? Um I think we all feel differently about each of the players. Everybody develops like a different connection with each of them individually. Um, you know, certain people, it, it's harder to say goodbye to some guys and some others. Um, you know, I, I look back and I think like it, with someone like Anthony in particular, right? Like my attitude, it, it's not really how it's played out. He's been very good for New York. But like my attitude would have been like I'd rather – do whatever contract and have him if it doesn't work have him be bad here right with our uniform on then then make the correct call right quote unquote 
and have gotten the proper value or whatever. Like maybe I don't feel as strongly about each individual guy, but I know there are people that feel that way about Wilson Contreras. We can make the argument and it, it's probably a sound one. And I, I, you and I, I think at this point, I don't even know where we are. It's, it's so emotional and all over the place. But like you, you can put together a very like pointed and rational and maybe correct argument that, you know, if he wants a several year extension for a catcher, you know, that's had some hamstring issues, things like that. Is that the best idea for the organization, given how they're choosing to operate? Maybe not, probably not. But I think there are a lot of people that would say, I'd rather make that mistake and have Wilson Contreras be a Chicago Cub. Yeah. Like he has I mean, been since I, he was 17 years old, right? I know. And if it, it's wrong, the, the, so what? I know. It's just like the alternative is you're at these games, right? They're averaging, what, 30, 31,000. The alternative is if you give Wilson that contract, you're not getting those eight, 9,000 fans back in the stadium. And the best way to do that is to, to win, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of fans that don't care about these guys. So like us crazy fans, we're always going to be watching this team. We're still watching this team right now. We're just going to be watching in a more depressive state. <laughs> now, there will be fans that that will not tune in because they do miss Wilson. I'm sure some fans don't tune in because they miss uh, Javi and they're not maybe coming back. Right. But that's unfortunately not the majority of the I, fan base. That's the, that I, I do. I Yeah. I mean, and I and I get that. And, you know, we've talked before that, like, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, that boycotting or anything like that is a, a practical solution to things, right? Like people want to take their family to enjoy a baseball game. They're not thinking about all of this. They don't care about a lot of this, right? Um, but I'm tired of doing it. And I think so I, at man. some point you, you just reach at some, and, and we know this, we've talked about this, you, me, Luke, Cody, Ryan, Jared, everybody, we have noted many times that like something, something has to have gotten rotten, right? Something has had to have gone wrong that for two straight deadlines, this is going to be uh, several players that are just beloved by this fan base and that have repeated numerous times that they don't want to leave. And yeah, what do, what do the Cubs do? You know, we get a whole thing on marquee today. It was like, and I don't know how to feel about this. I, I think Luke and Cody talked about this on the, on the post game on Tuesday. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know what else they're supposed to do, but there is something super weird about marquee being, you know, it's basically like doom porn today on Tuesday right? They're showing everything. They're leaning into it. I, I mean, how do we all feel about that? You know, y'all, not the people involved in the broadcast, right? But the people who own the channel and right. produce the channel, right. this is y'all's doing, right? Yeah. What are you showing yeah. me crying him, him, you know, Wilson crying in the dugout for? Talk to your boss, you know? Why? This isn't, this it. isn't good content, you know? I get it. Well, the majority of that has been, the majority of the content has been like that for, what, 14 months yeah. now? And even dating back before Marquee, we were talking about Chris Bryan and trade talks since Forever. 2018, yeah. dude. Forever. I mean, uh, over half or around half of his career as a Cub has been speculative if he will remain a Cub. That wasn't fun for three years, right? Like, he was being asked about that, and we were hearing reports about him turning on trade negotiations or... Uh, contract negotiations, all that stuff for years. That's not fun. So they the Cubs, here's here's one other aspect of this. They they have 
they have not done a good job with some of their PR for for years. Um, and the players have done a phenomenal job. You look at what Wilson said in in this week. You look at what Hap has said throughout his tenure as a Cub and Chris Bryant and Javi Baez. They've done a really good job handling the situation. Now there was drama with Rizzo, and I understand that. And you know Rizzo's uh, Rizzo's uh, personality is is going to permit some of those high emotional responses. But the overwhelming majority response of these players have been so good, and the Cubs don't deserve responses from players like that. They they, they just don't at this point. Yeah, no, I I I think I yeah I get uh, I get all that. So I I want to finish on Wilson before we you know. Uh, thank our sponsors in a second here for our first break. And then I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the HAP situation because I don't think we touched on that as much. The Wilson situation we've been talking about since the offseason. We knew this was coming. Um, you know, you go back to like when I was in the studio with the guys and uh, me and, and Cody and Ryan got pranked by Luke when they put up that fake uh, you know, April Not Fool's you. thing. You handled that perfectly. I tried. Um, I'm a skeptic, so it was helpful. I know. Um, you know, they put up Cody the, on the other yes, hand. Yes, they Not put so up the much. fake thing that he had been traded to the Yankees. So, yeah. like, we Cody almost died. We've talked about this. We know about this. So, I, I want to finish on Wilson by you know just highlighting again that the day that was on Tuesday. Um, I'm very glad that he got that moment. It was one of the things that I have major, it's not my decision, but I have regrets for how it played out last year uh, with, you know, KB and Anthony not even playing, right, in that last game at Wrigley Field and those guys just not getting that proper send-off, right? I'm glad that this happened for Wilson. I'm not glad the situation is happening, but I'm glad that he got this moment because I always say the one thing that I hope we don't make the decisions as fans, but the one thing that I, I desperately hope from these guys is that they understand how much they mean to people and how much they mean to this fan base. And I think the showing on Tuesday uh, by the Wrigley faithful was received by Wilson and Hap, but, but Wilson specifically, in the way that it should have been. And I'm, I'm very glad that he got that moment. Um, and you know, he deserves it to a very extreme level, right? This guy, as I've said, has been in this organization since he was a teenager, over a decade as a Chicago Cub, working his way up from every single level of this organization, doing everything he possibly could to be a successful Chicago Cub, right? And he ended up doing just that, right? He's a multi-time all-star He's uh, accrued so many accolades. He is a World Series champion, not as a member of that roster, as a key, key contributor in the regular season and going through that postseason, right? And As a rookie. Yes. And so I'm, I'm very glad that he got this moment. I hope that he feels the, the, the way that I, it looks like he does. And he right? does. I know About he the does. fan base. Um, and I think that, I think that he does. Um, so I will, will end the, the sort of, um, Wilson segment of this and, and then we'll thank our sponsors here, uh, with a quote that he gave, uh, after the game. I love how the fans embrace myself. That makes me feel good. 
It makes me feel that if I have to walk away from this team, I can walk away with my head up high because I know I did everything I could to make this team better from day one. And from our perspective, Wilson, that's the only thing we ever felt. And I, again, I I desperately hope that he, he really does feel that. And I think that he does. Okay, break here from our sponsors. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. You're home for live in-play betting. Just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching. Is your favorite team prime for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet live with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Second break here from our new sponsor, FOCO. Chicago sports fans, your home for the best Chicago sports coverage is partnering with a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. CHGO is teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around. Whether it's Bears, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, FOCO will have something for you or your kid, a friend, or a loved one. Looking to get some new gear, collectibles, or accessories, FOCO has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. FOCO has got you covered with the best Chicago merchandise for your favorite team. Head on over to FOCO.com for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan. So I want to talk about Ian Happ a little bit because... We, we knew this was possible, um, and we've documented the incredible work that Ian has done to make adjustments and have, uh, you know, one of the best seasons of his career so far. Um, but we have kind of rapidly ended up in a place where, like, far be it from me to speak like I know, but, like, he's getting traded, Brendan. Like, that's very seriously how it seems. And, like, we, we kind of went from, like, maybe uh, we'll see— it depends what they're thinking or what they're doing to, you know, reading reports on Tuesday that there's a lot of calls for Ian Happ and they're almost assuredly going to trade it. Yeah, this one's a little weird for me because I love Ian, the player. I respect the adjustments he's made. I just don't know if you can trust that he'll be a 600 plate appearance guy that's above league average next season uh given some of his career trajectories and given some of the numbers that you see this year so it almost in in my mind like you you think about selling high right you always want to sell high if you do have to make trades 
it almost seems like this is like the prime example of, of selling high on someone. Now, there is the caveat, you have to fill this void for 2023. Sure. If you want to compete in 2023, if you're going to trade Ian Happ away and you're not going to fill that, then of course, I want to keep Ian Happ for next season. But my idea is, given the free Asian market that we're seeing, seeing some of the guys who are performing unexpectedly well this season, I think filling left field the range of projections that include Hap and others is so close that it does make sense in in my mind to to entertain an offer and it could happen where Ian gets back a better offer than Wilson because he has that extra year of control and more teams might be in the market for improving their outfield versus in the market for improving their catcher position with Wilson Contreras. Yeah, it's just interesting to me, and and this has been kind of talked about by a lot of people, just how quickly this seems to have happened, right? You know, you're reading some of the stuff from guys like Jeff Passan and things like that, and it it really just rapidly went to like, well, maybe the Cubs will field some calls, and if they get blown away, maybe they'd have to do it. They couldn't say no. And, you know, you're just reading it today and it's like, okay, like these goodbyes that he's sort of saying at Wrigley on Tuesday as well seem very serious, right? Like the writing on the wall has kind of changed. So I, I, yeah, this is one I have mixed feelings on as well. I think that there's, uh, you know, firstly, like you said, um, he has an extra year of control. So, it does raise a question of like, okay, like, yeah, this is definitely the highest his value has ever been. Um, there may be questions as to whether he can keep this up consistently, as that's been something he has not been able to do in the past. Despite being an above-league average hitter his entire career, we all know he has gone through pretty significant slumps at times. So is this the new and real Ian Happ? I you know, you have to make that decision. There's that risk to it, right, Brendan? If it is, you know, you're trading him away when you could have him for another year, and maybe he's someone you could have extended if you do believe that this is the new version. So there's definitely a risk there, uh, especially given his age, that I think compared to some of the other guys that they trade, he still has that time age-wise to blossom or continue you know what he's doing and you might really regret it um yeah I I you know I don't know that I necessarily think that's going to happen um but I'm I'm hopeful I guess of of two things here here's how I view this I, this, this whole thing is, is so all over the place and without knowing what they're going to do in the off season, what the budget is, this, that, and the other, it's hard to really be positive of what I think they should and shouldn't do. But here's what I am sure of as it relates to an Ian Happ trade. Like you said, you have to replace him, right? This right now, he has been a 2.3 win player, uh, through 94. Five games in the 2022 season. 127 WRC plus, 329 weighted on base average. You have to replace that. You have to find that production somewhere, right? The other thing that I know is that you had better be getting the value to make this move, right? He's not making a lot of money. This isn't a situation where it's like a salary dump, right? because the team is cheap or whatever other narratives are out there, right? He's in arbitration. He's going to get a bump 
Uh, but, you know, right now he's making like near $7 million. This is not a franchise-altering contract. Even in a year of arbitration, it's not going to bump to a franchise-altering contract, right? So if you're trading away that extra year where, as we all say, they had better be trying to be competitive next year, you have to replace it, and you should be getting some pretty significant value for this, especially if you're able to attach one of these relievers or something like that to make this a more interesting deal. Because otherwise, Brendan, like then it gets to a point, and I understand why there's this skepticism out there. There are some, I don't necessarily agree with this, but there are some who kind of view HAP as somewhat of a litmus test for next year, because their question would be, why would you trade a relatively cheap guy who has a year of control who's having the best season of his career at age 27, not an unheard of age to be, uh, you know, kind of coming into your own, right, if you intend to compete. And I agree with you that I don't think it's the most difficult thing in the world to replace, but I understand the sort of skepticism with this kind of move because you had better go and do it. You have to then put the action into the world and show everybody, like, we have a better plan for this, right? There's a risk involved in, in trading HAP. The, there's a risk involved in also keeping HAP sure. in that you're slotting in, you're reducing your flexibility in the roster by, by keeping HAP. And the risk involved is, can he, as I said earlier, be an above-average bat at left field? If you look at some of the numbers around his success this year, there are some warning signs that that are hard for me personally to ignore. The first one was that if he were to continue on this pace, he would finish the season with 13 home runs with a below league average contact rate. And then if you look at players who whiff as much as Hap, they make substantially more contact in the air. Their launch angle is significantly higher. I mean, Hap is an outlier in terms of how low of his hits and how many grounders he hits with that whiff percentage. That 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 worries me, Corey. Um, so I, I am a little skeptical about that. The contact improvements that he has made are real, and he is much better than a year's past, whereas last year he's around 70% contact. This year he's, he's 75%. It's good, almost league average, still below league average. The majority of that contact has come against pitches outside the strike zone. Um, and then you look at his expected weighted on base average, it's 30 points lower than his actual weighted on base average. And an important note with ex-WOBA right now is it's using 2021 stack ass data to infer the expected numbers. So we've seen the balls change this year. It's possible on a player by player basis that the true ex-WOBA is lower than what we're actually seeing. So, and it's just, I'm a little uncomfortable with, with projecting him to be like a, absolute lock of, of a value next season. So that's why in my mind, like selling high does make a lot of sense. Uh, but you look at the free Asian list for next season and you see the options you can see maybe the Cubs going after to replace them is like Andrew Benintendi or going out and platooning someone like with Jock Peterson again, or giving them more of a significant role if they do end up signing them. So there's guys out there, but at the end of this discussion, you still have to come away feeling like the Cubs are going to absolutely compete. 
next year. And I understand the alternative where although HAP does have that risk and some of the expected numbers, some of the underlying peripherals suggest uh, this may not be real, I understand wanting to take that risk and going forward by not trading them. But if I have to pick a lane at this point, Corey, uh, I got to say, like, I kind of, I'm, I'm very curious what he could get. Uh, now, we'll have to judge the return as it comes if he is ultimately traded. But in this current moment, I, 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 I kind of want to see it um, because I think they can compete. I really mm-hmm. do think they can compete next year. And I think they can get back significant value in the process. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that that all makes sense. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's just one of those things where when you make the move, you're going to have steps that we are not going to necessarily see right away that would need yeah. to follow such a move to kind of make up for that production. Uh, I mean, it's possible they get back immediate value as well, though, right? Perhaps, well, you can actually yeah. see it. Well, we'll see what or happens. they so. get 18-year-olds. We don't know. Well, if that happens. Depends what Jen Hoyer is looking for. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think, you know, you read, like I said, you read some of the stuff from these writers. You know, Jeff Passan, uh, one of the quotes from him today Two things have become clear in the past week as trade talks picked up. Almost everyone wants Ian Happ, and the Cubs are likely to trade him, according to sources. So I mean, that's a significant statement. Yes, Almost everyone wants Ian the Happ. The hope would be, right, that you are getting an offer that you feel is not something that you can logically pass up for a guy who is at what, at this point, is his peak value you know, and uh, yeah. to to determine if that was the right line of thinking and how everything plays out, we have to, they have to make the move first, and then we have to be able to kind of judge what the return is. There's all sorts of... Let me ask you a question. Yes. Though. Like, how how is your confidence? Let's just, just exclude the trade discussion at this point. What is your confidence in Ian Happ being a 600 plate appearance lock above league average for 2023? Um, well, I mean, he's, he's right. never been a below league average hitter. Yeah, but it's been in, in jolted sample sure. sizes. It's never been in an elongated sample sure. size, right? I, I mean, maybe I'm not sure about that. I, de- I'm, I'm definitely unsure as to whether what we have seen from him this year is actually his long and true form that he's able to maintain consistently. I would be lying if I said I, I truly... 100% believed in that, right? I don't. Yeah. But at the same time, I do share some of the skepticism where my line of thinking is if you're getting a great offer or you're packaging him with David Robertson or Michael Gibbons or something like that, get some significant stuff. Cool. That sounds great, right? Given right. where the team is at and what they're doing. But I do have the skepticism where I'm like, look, like this guy has been productive to varying degrees throughout his career, but he's always been productive. And it just seems easier to me to be competitive in 2023, spending big money elsewhere, right? And just taking that production for what will probably end up being around what, like nine or $10 million after about arbitration? So in arbitration, right? Yeah, about that. It just seems I easier. It. So I'm, it's hard for me not to be overcome with this sort of like doom and gloom skepticism of, well, they're trading production away. Do I believe they're going to get it back? Right? I don't know. I don't think it's difficult to do, right? It's not a ton of money. 
There's a lot of players out there, but the path just seems simpler, I guess. Yeah. It seems simpler. Not impossible, so, I mean, if, but simpler. If you, if you want to reduce it down to that scenario, it's a one-year deal, $10 million, Ian Happ, versus playing the free agent game and getting back a few prospects, right. maybe some of which are higher in, in their development in double H. I, I can very easily see that latter scenario, right? Playing Not the free working. agent market and getting this package back. I, I, I very easily see that being the right decision. It's just yeah. there's going to be time where we don't get to see that and know what that is. And so I, you know, I think it's just sort of like I don't tr- I don't tr- I don't I don't know how much I trust them, <laughs> you know, right now. <laughs> I, I think Jed has done a good job in in his execution of things and I think what they're building is eventually going to pay off. I really do believe in that, right? Mm-hmm. But as far as the levels of the organization above him, I I don't trust them and I think rightfully I so. Under- I understand it. Another way of looking at this too, and I don't I don't like these scenarios, but it, it, it is a reality. You trade Ian Happ, you're likely going to give Brennan Davis a shot next year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a significant guy next year because he is coming back from an injury. He still has to go through that process, but he's nevertheless going to play baseball for the Cubs next season, Brennan Davis in center field. Uh, now you have one outfield slot left open in left field. We've seen other guys get opportunities in the outfield. They include... Ortega, Frazier, Crook, Velasquez, and Morel. Those are five guys, Corey. So by trading Hap away right now, another aspect of this conversation is, well, you get more of a sample to see Crook, Frazier, um, and Velasquez. And that will inform your decision what to do in this offseason. So it does add another layer to the discussion, which for me, when you talk about like you know five potential guys in left field and platoon options, and you merge together the free Asian possibilities and the money involved, I just kind of fall in that group where I want I want it I want to run that sure. risk. I want to run the risk of maybe not having a as as high of a security in left field, but I think we can get back a higher ceiling even and I think we can make we can match that value. Just might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, I, I totally think that's fair. I'm I'm definitely not in the camp of, of viewing like you know, Ian as some uh you know the, the the season next year hinges on it or something like that. I, I no, just don't I don't, I don't see so. that, right? Yeah. Um but I just think the the moment is weird. So it's it's just kind of hard to I don't know, trust exactly everything. It's it's I mean if you were to tell me going into the season that we'd be having discussion about Ian yeah. Happ and like everyone being like involved and wanting him, I would I would be shocked. I really was so low on Hap going into this year because he's had these massive valleys and he's had these big holes in his game with the whiffs and the inconsistent power and the defense problems. And so he's improved quite significantly. Yeah. So he deserves so much of the credit, but there's still some stuff there that I'm like, ugh. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I wish I was more confident. Absolutely. So, all right. That's, uh, yeah, I figured we were going to spend a lot of time on those two, and we certainly did. But, you know, it was a it was an emotional day uh, on Tuesday at Wrigley Field. And, you know, these figure to be pretty significant decisions that the organization makes. So I think it's, it's always good for you and I and Cody, Luke, and Ryan to, you know, properly prepare for the moment. That's what we're here for, right? To analyze it from a a statistical perspective, an analytical perspective, but also, you know, just being fans of this team, uh, which we all are. Ryan, of course, is uh, a a very, uh, you know, credentialed and proud media member, so he is not in that fan category, uh, but, you know, I think he 
understands the sentiments. So uh, yes. we covered it from all angles is the point. So let's look at these two games with the Pirates because I do want to talk about some of the stuff that happened. Um, two nice wins, Brandon. Close games, but still nice wins. Three to two on Monday. That was behind uh, another really nice start, man. We talked about Adrian Sampson, and uh, you know we we've gone a little more in depth in him, so we don't have to do it today because I do want to talk about Nico and and Keegan Thompson for sure. Uh, but Nico. A major hat tip to Adrian Sampson: seven innings, six hits, two earned, one walk, three strikeouts. He's got a three point two ERA for the Cubs uh, in a variety of roles. And as we've said before, like you, you need people to eat these innings, especially as you're getting to a trade deadline where you're placing such heavy emphasis on some of your bullpen guys. The easiest way for David Ross and Tommy Hadovy to use guys like David Robertson and Michael Givens and Chris Martin and you know whoever they're looking at maybe trading is by having guys be able to eat these innings as starters and allow them to use those relievers as they'd like to, right? Rather than every night having to figure out, okay, how are we cleaning up six innings because we don't have starting pitching? So it's been very important that Samson's been able to do this. And you know, a 3.2 ERA with a 1.17 whip in 39 innings is not nothing. So that's been nice to see from a guy uh, getting an opportunity here in Samson. Uh, The Cubs got their runs in the game on Monday via a Nico Horner RBI single, a Rafael Ortega home run, and a Nico Horner RBI double that won the game. We will touch on him just in a second. Just want to go uh, Tuesday. It was a 4-2 win behind a, a really great start from Keegan Thompson. He does give up a home run to O'Neill Cruz, but they are uh, unearned runs after an error. So two runs, but none of them earned. Four hits, seven innings. That is a big deal for Keegan to get through seven innings. Uh, seven strikeouts, no walks. His ERA, uh, <laughs> once again, Brendan, nobody told me. I wasn't even paying attention. It is 316. That's the bottom line because Keegan Thompson says so. Really great from him. He throws 97 pitches. This is just a really, really nice outing for him. He continues to be one of the, the biggest stories of this season for the Chicago Cubs. They get their runs in this one, an Ian Happ double, a Nico Horner double, and a Seiya Suzuki hefty, hefty, hefty home run. <laughs> I think it was around 436 feet. Nice little subtle, uh, polite pimp job, bat flip, whatever you want to call it from Saya. Beautiful stuff. He's been very good uh, since coming back from the injury. But I want to go to Nico, Brendan. I know you want to talk to, I know you want to talk about yeah. Nico. Um, and just some really good stuff that came out, um, both from Megan Montemuro uh, with the Chicago Tribune. So I do want to uh, go through these. Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll let you read uh, the, the clutch numbers if you have them. I can if you don't. But Um, I know you wanted to talk about that specifically, but speaking to those clutch numbers as he won the game on Monday night, David Ross said this of Nico Horner, the more you get to know Nico, he's a baseball player and thrives on success and winning and work ethic. He wants that moment probably more than anybody I've ever been around, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to compare him to one of my teammates that just went into the Hall of Fame, but he craves those moments. Uh, Brendan, he's talking about David Ortiz. Yes, in that he is, quote, Corey. That is, yeah. I know that David is the manager and he's going to say nice things about his player. That is very serious praise to say yeah, of, of Nico Horner, to even at all compare him to a Hall of Famer. Well, and, I mean, is he the most clutch guy of most all time? The most clutch guy we've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. 
the the attitude Nico has, Corey, it, it's 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 so obvious. Even from day one, when he was making his debut in San Diego, he just has that energy. I don't, I don't know what it is, and he has that intensity. But whereas some guys who have that intensity kind of it, it may get interpreted differently. Like I think of Bryce Harper, he can be a little bit a uh, uh, kind of a, a hot topic and promote some conflict. He has that intensity. Nico has the same intensity, but he he doesn't promote that type of like conflict. It, it's it's very it's very unique to me. And to hear David Ross talk about Nico and the fact that he wants Nico to get these at bats and he doesn't seem phased by it, and it appears as if no other guy wants those moments is more than Nico. To me, that that speaks volume. That speaks like like leadership type capability. And we've heard that. Uh, within Nico's personality from his days at Stanford. So I, of course, I'm beyond excited just from his overall performance this year. But now you add in the fact that he has this mentality. Like imagine him in those playoff moments, Corey. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But you can see just like the energy and the electricity that he would provide coming up clutch in the playoffs. And just to read some of those clutch stats that you mentioned here, in high leverage moments, Corey, this year, He's batting almost 400 with an OPS over 1,000, dude. With two outs and runners in scoring position, he's batting 350 with an OPS plus of 140. In late and close games, still an OPS plus of 111. Dude, and if you look at his overall like clutch number, which is a little bit like the clutch number Fangrass puts out, is a little bit weird to me because the like the baseline is their overall performance. But nevertheless, if you look at that number, he is in the 70th percentile for being clutch by by Fangrass, and it matches the eye test, and it matches the intensity and the attitude he takes. So, man, is he not hitting on every single like cylinder this year? Like every box you want checked by Nico. Defense, base running, leadership, offense, power. He's supplying it. He's he's exceeding everyone's expectations, my expectations as well. And I'm man, I I, I really hope, and I think it's gonna happen based on the sample size, but I really hope that we're having this conversation again by the end of September and talking about Nico as a staple. And my hope is that we do have conversations um the not so distant future about extending yeah. Nico, seriously, extending Nico. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next. Is that two where months, I we'll give see. the you know stereotypical snarky reply like, "Oh, are the Cubs allowed to do I was, that?" I was, I was, I was waiting for yeah. that. Anytime I mention that on Twitter, I, that's my. Is that for me? Is that said. sarcasm? I'll let you guys decide. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know. up to you. I don't know. I I know, but like I I hope we have those conversations, yeah. and we've done it in years past with other guys in similar positions, like Starlin Castro and Anthony Rizzo. So it is it is possible. It, it, he you know we we talk about him a lot. Obviously, we talk about the guys that matter to the future a lot because that's the point of focus for this season. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think we've mentioned before is like Nico is that what he's doing is very exciting because this is exactly what you kind of envision in his best case scenario when you draft him right? He's not yeah. doing stuff that is out of the, the bound of what you thought based on who he was when he was drafted. He didn't know how he could develop, you know, power and the ability to slug a little bit more and things like that. But you knew his contact ability. You knew his ability in the field. You knew his athleticism. And the player that you are seeing now is that best version or, you know, I mean, may, he can probably fly even higher, right? Like Michael Scott, you have no idea how high Nico Herna can fly. Um, mm-hmm. But this is Pretty that high. version, and that's what's so exciting is that it's like this isn't coming out of nowhere. This all makes a lot of sense. 
when you draft a guy, you're just never sure if it all comes together in forms like this, but it is. So Nico Horner, uh, we, as I always say, we're a Fangraphs family, so we use F-War. Uh, Fangraphs wins above replacement, calculated a little bit differently than baseball reference. We don't have nearly enough time to get into the differences there. doesn't matter. If you're looking at Fangraphs based on wins above replacement uh, for the 2022 season with anybody more than 100 plate appearances, Nico Horner is the 21st most valuable player in Major League Baseball. In the National League, Brendan, he is 12th. 12th Look at that. in Major League Baseball, behind some Mm-mm. very very good names, obviously, is the only people that are ahead of him. Uh, that is really something. And, and he's getting better. I, I do think, you know, um, it, it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, you know, he needs to finish this season off, which I expect him to do. Um, and I, his manager certainly expects him to do as he begins his, you know, career trajectory, uh, toward the hall of fame as he joins, <laughs> you know, his, his fellow Correct, hall of famer, yes. David Ortiz, uh, in, in their clutchness yeah. shortly. Um, but mm-hmm. it, going to be very fascinating to see how the Cubs approach this, this off season, given the guys that are free agents and how they feel about whether Nico is going to be someone that they ask to be flexible uh, do they pursue a shortstop? Do they tell some of those shortstops, you are going to have to play somewhere else? We'd like you to play somewhere else, right? Do they do a kind of Manny Machado thing where he, you know, you bring someone else in, they start there, but they get older, then they move to third because you kind of want Nico mm-hmm. there. It's going to be very fascinating. Um, and it's 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 something we've talked about before, but it's something worth bringing up again because at the beginning of the season when he's kind of doing this for a month or whatever, it's like, okay, this is very interesting. This is very exciting. You know, you, you get to a point now, we're past the all-star break. We're headed to the trade deadline. He's the 12th most valuable player in the National League. He That's a, a star, Brendan. You have a star yeah, playing shortstop for you right now. going to be very interesting to see how the Cubs decide to go about all of that and, and how he factors into everything. Yeah. And he's, he's getting better too. The, the, before I preview the series here, I mean, his overall numbers and the trajectory since the first of June, his WRC plus is almost 130. His weight on base average is over 350 and he's uh, now taking more walks. You might remember the first couple months of the season, he's walking around like a 1% rate. Now he's walking almost close to a 5% rate. If there's room for improvement, it's probably in that category. Uh, he does have a chase rate that is worse than league average. He's in the 20th percentile for chase rate. That that probably needs to be improved, uh, given that he's not going to slug that much relative to like, you know, uh, uh, a league average, um, you know, hitter. So that will need to be improved, no doubt about that. But he's able to make so much contact and able to make so much hard contact when he does make that contact um, that his expected batting average is in the 95th percentile. And his defense is like the best in Major League Baseball shortstop at this point. So um, really good to see. Still room for improvement. But at this point, the sample size is so large that uh, this is not a fluke. This is Nico Horner. He has made changes to his mechanics as well that 
I'm hoping we're going to get more detail about in the next few weeks here. But this is uh, this is legit, Corey. So, so far, this has been legit. Yeah, and well, and and you certainly are. But I think we're all on board with you. We're we're going to get carried away here. Like we're very excited yeah, we about this. We're just going to let it. We're going to look. look we're going to ride these vibes and just get very yeah. excited about Nico Horner. You think John Lester was uh, brought up too much? Look out. Well, uh, I might, I might. hold on now. Um, <laughs> you know, careful. But I, know, I, I, know, I do, I before we preview this I'm series, excited. we're, we're going to run a little long here. It is what it is. It was an emotional day on Tuesday. I, I don't want to get off without talking about the bullpen a little bit. Keegan Thompson was great. We've broken him down a lot. It was a great start. You know, 97 pitches, seven innings. I, I, if you have more to say on that, I, I, I'd welcome it. But pretty simple. No walks, seven strikeouts. Phenomenal start. I, I do just want to note it was interesting in this series. He was used a lot over the weekend in Philadelphia, but I do... David Ross said that David Robertson could have pitched in the game on Tuesday if it was a night game. I don't know if I believe him. I am hoping <laughs> and thinking that he's kind of in line with what you and I said, uh, and and a lot of people have said, uh, but you and I said it after that series in Philadelphia, he should not pitch again, Right. There is only risk. Yeah. There is no value there. He looks great. His numbers are great. Everything is great. He was darting the ball in that series on Philly on the corners. Um, he really shouldn't be pitching. If a trade is an imminent, no. you know, it's it's weird and maybe a red flag to teams if you keep him out for literally a week. So you can't necessarily do that. But let's not rush to get him out there. There's only risk involved with him pitching any more than this. His value cannot get any higher. But what follows from that was interesting in these two games. So Michael Givens, really good in this series. An inning on Monday, no runs, one walk, two strikeouts. And then he closes the game on Tuesday, picks up his second save of the year, a strikeout, no walks, no hits, no runs in an inning. And that's also the benefit of kind of veering away from overusing David Robertson is, hey, look, Michael Givens has a 2.7 ERA, major credit to him because he brought that down a ton from some of the struggles he had throughout the season. He's been great on the whole, the body of work. Uh, But hey, any teams that are interested, look who can also close. It's Michael Givens, if you're interested in his 2.7 ERA. Isn't that wonderful? Scott Efros mm. in this series also picks up his first save, uh, an inning of work in that game on Monday. He also has a 2.72 ERA. That's kind of weird. I didn't notice that. Um, 2.72 for everybody. That would be great if the whole bullpen could do that. Uh, and then Rowan Wick. I know you wanted to bring him up, so I, I know we're running a little long, but I do want to talk about these guys a little bit, whatever. Um, he's been very good lately. It's been an up and down season for him, but he gets in the game on Tuesday, two strikeouts, no walks. The velo looked really good. His fourth hold of the year in an inning of work, the 4.46 ERA tells the story of it kind of being an up and down year for him, Brendan, but he has been much better of late. He has in his past six and two thirds innings, he has not given up a run. So that's great to see. Uh, his his season has been weird. You just mentioned it, the up and downs, but it's been weird because his pitches by like stuff plus or command plus have been above league average. Like his four seam command rates standard deviation above the rest of the league in terms of his ability to locate the edge of the strike zone. Same thing with his cutter, and he throws those two pitches almost seventy percent of the time. And his knuckle curveball, he's throwing that with a stuff plus rating better than league average by standard deviation. So in my mind, I've always I was confused why the results weren't coming. Um, the sequencing might have been off. 
who knows, right? Could just be random as well. Regardless, the entire season up until up until this point, I would say it's a disappointment. Like I expected Rowan Wick. We were having conversations about him coming into this year being a potential closer yeah. option. Um, and he has not lived up, to, lived up to that. But it's good to see him now in his past, what is this, two weeks, have some success. And maybe once these guys are dealt, then he'll get opportunities in those higher leverage moments, perhaps even closing moments, to kind of re- gain some of that confidence in pitching in those innings for next season. I, I think the stuff is too good from Rowan Wick. Um, and the command has been there, at least in terms of his ability to hit the edges. I, I think if this continues, then it seems more likely that he'll be successful. But you just you never know. You never know in these short samples. You never know what the volatility of these bullpen guys. Uh, but I would bet my money that he will be better than average. I, I, I believe that, but you never know what happens from these yeah. guys. And, uh, you know, so last thing on some of the, you know, someone like Givens too, it's been interesting. You see uh, there was, you know, I think a report, you never know how much credence to give these things, but there was a report that, you know, maybe a team like the Mets would look at a package from the Cubs that included Wilson Contreras and David Robertson. It's, it's, yeah, it's just that. something to keep an eye on and you know obviously the hope would be that it's increasing the value of the the players you're getting back in return uh and the Cubs have some options for that you know Chris Martin uh his numbers you know again also it's sort of an up and down year but he's a, a veteran he's got World Series experience and he has looked very good at times for the Cubs here Michael Givens as I was just saying has gotten his numbers into a really great place picked up the save on Tuesday you know can they put some of these guys together to get more value? Is that the right way to go about it? Is it better to keep them separate? You know, who knows, but it's clear. And, you know, maybe you even see that for Hap as well, right? Like there is clearly interest in what the Cubs are going to be selling, whether we want them there or not. And that's, that's the best case scenario for all of us, given the situation, right? That Jed is hopefully able to field a lot of phone calls and have hopefully his pick of the litter in terms of what people are bargaining for and what they're willing to give up. And if he can get creative and and put things together, things like that, that's hopefully going to lead to this being a successful, if not uh, very bittersweet, obviously, trade deadline. Yeah. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming four-game set against the San Francisco Giants. It's going to be a late night West Coast trip, Corey. I actually like these West uh, West Coast trips, these late night games for me. Um, we have the Giants, who are 500 this year, performing below expectations. The Cubs will start on Thursday at 8:45 p.m. San Fran has not announced their rotation yet as of Tuesday evening. I'm not sure why that's happened. Maybe some things are being mixed around for them. So no Giants starters announced, but the entire Cubs rotation has been announced. Justin Steele gets the first shot against the Giants on Thursday. Steele this season's four and six with a 4.02 ERA. Second game, Stroman goes. He's two and five with a 4.38 ERA. That's a 9:15 p.m. start time. Uh, like those late night start times. Those are fun. On Saturday, another late night start time of 8:05 p.m. We have Drew Smiley pitching for the Cubs. This is likely, I think, Corey going to be his last Certainly, start as a Cub. Perhaps, yeah. 
I, 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 I hope it is. Hopefully, it's it's going to be a good one. It might be difficult because he's on the West Coast, facing a decent team, but we'll see. Uh, Smiley this season is 3-5, 3.93 ERA. And then on Sunday, uh, Sunday Night Baseball, Corey. Uh, so we get that national broadcast that we all love. Uh, Samson will be pitching again for the Cubs. He's 0-1 with a 3.2 ERA. That game starts at 6.08 on the dot, 6.08. PM Central. I do have a points bet pick. Uh, now, if you're feeling confident, you know, they've been on a hot streak. They've won six games in a row. If you think they're going to win the World Series, you can go and bet. Right now, the odds are plus 200,000. You know, if you want to make some money that way, you never know what's going to happen, right? They could win 25 more games in a row. They're right back in the race. Even if they trade away all their guys, you bring some of these guys up. Maybe Brendan Davis comes back. They could be a World Series contender, Corey. But realistically, what I'm looking for uh, this, this series is. Uh, trade rumors, honestly, that's on the forefront of my mind, and keeping Drew Smiley healthy, uh, seeing how the bullpen shapes up. Will Robertson get a lot of opportunities? Will Rowan Wick get more opportunities later in the game? Efros got the closing chance. Will he get more of those closing chances? And then still monitoring how they use Velasquez how they use Morel at second base in the outfield, and even Ortega. We have not heard Ortega rumors, but is he going to be on the market? Is he going to get significant playing time in preparation for that? Those are the things I'm looking I for. think that we all as fans need to be prepared to take the field for this team. Will they have any buddy left? I, can do I don't know. Man, I can be a good double play partner with, with uh, Nico. I'm serious. I don't want you anywhere near him, frankly. I mean, it's probably for the yeah. best, but I could do it. I could do it. I, I don't I, think... I have the same cleats. I used to wear the same cleats that he oh, wears Oh, well, right it's now. basically I'm the same thing. Yeah. Get them yeah. out there. Get I was it. I was number I was number I was number two as well. Oh, I mean, I'll, I mean, this is you guys are basically the same person. <laughs> I mean, I'll change my number for Nico, but that's oh, uh, that's okay. Wow, how nice of you. Um, <laughs> no, if anybody uh, from the Chicago Cubs is listening, Brendan should not be allowed anywhere near that man. Uh, we saw what an umpire not paying attention could do to Nico. I don't even want to. I don't want you near him. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the the off day should be interesting. Um, you know, do they get a jump on some of these moves? You know, before flying out to San Francisco, you never know, right? That's always something to keep in mind. Uh, and then, you know, just keeping an eye on this stuff. I, I think who exactly it ends up being. I think there's some, you know, probably some uh, given guys, uh, sort of pun intended, right? That are. Ooh. very likely to be dealt um Gibbons being one of them Robertson yeah, Wilson yeah, yeah. I suppose right uh Chris Martin probably maybe Drew Smiley uh you know so there there's some some sure names that I think you have to prepare yourself uh that this is just going to happen keep an eye on the rumors and you know again all we can really do is hope that Jed gets this right We've lamented some of the process that led us to last year's trade deadline or led us to the trade of Udarvish and that has led us here, right? But this is where we are. This is what they're doing. And the best that we can do, I think, as fans is hope that Jed gets this right, that he's savvy, creative, uh, cutthroat, right, which we've seen him be, and that he is the one getting the better of the teams that are making these trades with him. That's that's all we can do, and that's the best way uh, for this organization to succeed going forward with the path that they're on, is for this to go well, 
And, you know, as I always say, we'll we'll get through it together. I would imagine that on some of these podcasts there will be perhaps some expletives, maybe some tears, you know, who knows, right? That On our podcast, on, on these episodes? I think you and I have, like, prepared for this for a while, Corey. But you never know. You the know, when I get bad. started on some of those uh you know, uh, emotional sort of things. I, 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 you know, I get a little verklempt every now and again. You do. I'm an emotional I mean, boy, Brendan. I know you are. Um, I would not be surprised if Cody, though, starts going off on these trades. So we'll see what there, happens there. Yeah. I, I mean, I think whether the trades are good and, and successful or not, I would imagine that, that we'll get some expletives from Cody. Yeah. Um, Maybe from you and me. I don't know. Because this just, as I, as we kind of started with, to bring it full circle, it, it's not fun. They could get great prospects. Yeah. They'd be like, wow, that's exciting. And then, you know, you watch those videos of Wilson crying in the dugout, and you're like, okay, well, F this, right? Like, it's yeah. it's very easy to sort of play both roles. Um, yeah. But uh, on Wednesday, uh, later this afternoon, Luke, Cody, and Ryan will be in studio for your off day show. Uh, and then of course the CHGO Cubs team will have pre and post for those late nights in San Francisco. Uh, and Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday. I, Brendan, when I tell you the, and I, I bet you did the same thing when you figured this out. I was watching the Sunday night baseball game, uh, the Padres and the Mets the other day. And they're doing the, the the ad, and they're like, "And next weekend, we're in San Francisco. It's the Cubs and the Giants." I the 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 audible level <laughs> that I, yeah. I I just was like, <laughs> "Damn it! Why do they have to be at Sunday night? Nobody needs to see this team on Sunday night baseball. Please just let us watch the game on Sunday afternoon." Well, it's such a bad start to our Some week, of us too. have podcasts to do. It's I just know. not the right vibes. You know what I mean? To I be know. fair, even when the team is good, I don't want them on Sunday night baseball. But when it's and when then, it's like this, when it's right now, and yeah. it, and and boy, I mean, Sunday night baseball, great. I'm sure those conversations about the trade deadline are going to be so enjoyable and entertaining and shining a great light on the Cubs and what they're doing. It's going to be very pleasant for all of us fans. I'm not watching that game. Sorry. I mean, I'm just going to say it right now. Like, I'll look at the box score. I know you listen to this because you want to, you know, hear the yeah. recap. I'm not watching that. I'm not going to succumb myself to that nonsense. Are you kidding right now? No way. I do think I'll probably it's still a, watch. It's I'll a probably still watch it, though. decision to let listeners of a podcast you host know that you're not watching the game you're talking about. I mean, about, I'm still, I'm, I'm saying that now. I'm going to watch the game, unfortunately. I, I can't, I can't, I think, keep my eyes I off think it. all of us have watched enough Sunday Night Baseball on those ESPN broadcasts to not, not blame anybody if they check out of that one, uh, especially with everything going on. But yeah, I, I like so loudly. <laughs> it's just like, come on. No. Kill me. Not us. Leave us alone. Um, weird times, guys. It, it's especially weird. Like Brendan and I have been talking about this team uh, since I think like January of 2016. And we knew coming into this season that this was going to be one like unlike any other that, that we had experienced uh, because this was the first time that we went into the year with you know, the expectations of this team not being a contender, not being a playoff team. Uh, It hasn't been easy, um, but there has been a lot of good. There has been a lot that has gone really well. We saw that in this series with Pittsburgh, and we're going to continue to focus on that, uh, you know, certainly once we're on the other side of this trade deadline and, you know, looking at the system and what they do at this trade deadline and the players they got at the last trade deadline. Uh, But until we get there, it's going to be 
it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a little sad. It's going to be kind of tough. Uh, but Brendan and I and the CHDO Cubs team will will cover it from every angle. And I think we all have the same goal in mind, and that is to get back to a place where we're watching the Cubs play winning and successful baseball. And hopefully that I is sooner rather than later. And, you know, Brendan, we can always just go back and, you know, don't forget the Cubs won the 2016 World Series. That's so, true. World Series, correct. Yeah, yep. It's all on yep. YouTube. There's plenty of places to watch it if you want to reject this true. reality and substitute your own from six years ago. So yeah. uh, that's what we have. Uh, again, Brendan and I will talk to you on you know late Sunday night, early Monday morning after the Cubs and Giants wrap things up. As always, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO. Don't miss all of the coverage from our wonderful and talented Bears team as they open up training camp. Uh, that is going to be really good coverage. I promise you that. So if that is your jam, be sure to check out the CHGO Bears team and everything that they are doing from training camp. Uh, We thank you for your support of the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, Brendan and I, Mm -hmm. Luke, Cody, Ryan, and Jared. Don't forget to check out all of the premium written content from Ryan and Jared and sometimes Brendan uh, over at allchgo.com. We will talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs.